Chaf Gimel Kislev Tafshin Ein Chet, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Gotta love it. Ariel Zilber, Ufaratsta, off of Tsama, volume number four. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome, one and all. Welcome into this week's edition of The Israel Show. We're here live each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern, 4 PM Israel time, around the world, wherever you are. That's the time we're on. And on demand. That's right. Whenever you want to listen to the show, it's available to you. You know how? Very easy. Go online. Do NahumSiegel.com, put that in your browser, click on Archives, and we're there. Israel Show, you can have five years' worth of the Israel Show right at your fingertips. How amazing is that? Or go to the great, beloved Nahum Siegel Network app, which is available for free, and you can download the show while you're in a Wi-Fi setting. Listen to it whenever you want, wherever you want, whether you have Wi-Fi or not. And it won't cost you any data. No, no because you'll download it into your phone via the app 
or you can listen on the app. Either way, that's a great way to listen to us. Thank you so much for making us a part of your week. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, continues to bring you great information. We post uh, all links to the songs that we played during the show, bring you to the YouTube videos of the songs, and you can enjoy them at your leisure. And links to the stories that we've discussed during the show or videos that we've discussed. And um, lots of other stuff. So facebook.com slash the Israel show, facebook.com slash the Israel show. Yes, 100 years ago, as we just mentioned on JM in the AM, 100 years ago, 26th of Kislev, Tough Reish Ayn Chet, December 11, 1917, General Edmund Allenby, the commander of the British forces in World War I who fought in Eretz Israel. enters the city of Jerusalem as he heads the delegation of the British army that will meet with all the dignitaries right there on that famous staircase, that double staircase at the entrance to Migdal David, what we know as David's Citadel. There are so many great pictures of it. There's even a video, a YouTube video, I'll try and post that on our, our Facebook page as well, where you could see him meeting all the different leaders, see him walking in. According to this uh, piece from Segula magazine, which is a magazine of Jewish history, Israeli history, Jewish history, great magazine, lots of stuff that they have. He... Um, he was a devout Christian, and he carefully coordinated the character of his entry into Jerusalem with British Prime Minister David Lloyd George. And David Lloyd George jokingly asked him to deliver Jerusalem to the embattled allies during World War I as a Christmas present in time for December 25th, and of course he did it on December 11th, so he was way early. And, and look at the difference between a God-fearing Christian... And, uh, and one who does not fear God, and one who holds himself above. Nineteen years before General Allenby, while the Turkish Ottoman Empire still ruled Yerushalayim as they had for hundreds and hundreds of years before, treating the Jewish population there terribly, the uh, Kaiser of Germany, Wilhelm, made the famous trip to Israel. This is the trip where Theodor Herzl famously approached him and asked him to support the Zionist cause. So Kaiser Wilhelm wanted to go into the old city to visit probably the Christian sites or whatever other historical sites, but he didn't want to get off his horse or out of the carriage. So he commanded that they break, they breach the old city walls so that he can ride on his horse and his family can ride in their carriage as they entered the city of Yerushalayim. That breach, by the way, is still there till today. That's the only, one of the only ways, and not the only way, but one of the only ways that a car can enter the old city of Yerushalayim. It's uh, when you're facing the Jaffa Gate, it's on your right, and that's the breach. That, the reason there is a breach in the wall there 
you might be asking yourself, why is there a moat and a steep, um, a, a, a steep wall right after the moat <laughs> and a fortress on one of the most vulnerable sides of Yerushalayim, and then there's a breach in the wall. One would think the wall would be there. And the answer is that that wall was knocked down um, when the Kaiser came uh, around 1890-something. So General Allenby thought that it would be just too much brag, bravado, bragging, you're entering the holy city of Jerusalem, and he decided he was not going to enter triumphantly, that this was God's city, a holy city, a sacred city. And famously, he got off the horse and he walked. On the sides, there were some soldiers who were still patrolling and everything, but the majority and the picture of him marching at the head of a column of soldiers, all of whom are marching, none of whom are in any vehicles or on horses, is is very moving. At the time, the Jews of Yerushalayim, don't forget, it's the 26th of Kislev, the second day of Hanukkah, when we celebrate the return of the Jewish people to the holy city of Yerushalayim, to the Bet HaMikdash. And here comes the representative of the West, the hopes of the Jews who lived in Eretz Yisrael at the time, the people that not long before issued the Balfour Declaration recognizing the Jewish homeland in the land of Israel, in what was called Palestine. What excitement they must have had, what excitement they must have been going through. There is this famous picture, and as I said, also a video of the triumphant march of Allen B. into Yerushalayim. There is, in that photo, and, and I always looked closely at it because my mother... My mother always told me that her grandfather, who she was very close to, the chief rabbi, Harav Ben Zion Meir Chai Uziel, was there. That he was at this event. She remembers talking to him and him telling her that he was there at that event, at that amazing moment in Jewish history. Well, my mother, I'm going to take a moment here, Tomorrow night, we'll be celebrating her 90th birthday. And uh, I take this opportunity to wish her good health and joy and happiness and nachat. My love for Israel comes from her and my father. My love for Hebrew comes from her. My love for all the things that I speak about here and that I cherish really is the result of their upbringing and so much of it from my mother's background and her loves and her joys and uh, and of course everything I have is from her and so I thank her and I bless her and now back to our story when you look at that video carefully and later people put uh, subtitles on it as, as uh, General Allenby was greeting the different people and there it is, for a split second, literally a split second, hard to even see it. But there's a very young, or a young Ravuziel, in his uh, glima, in his formal attire as a Sephardic rabbi, greeting General Allenby. And it's a very precious moment for, for all of Jewish people and for our family indeed, indeed. 
I don't understand how history works. Obviously, God understands how the the arcs of history work. But to think that more or less to the date, a hundred years later, another great power, Britain was the greatest power at the time. To think, well, outside of the U.S., obviously, in Europe. To think that a hundred years later, another great power will get up and announce that finally, after uh, 70 years, they officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital of the modern state of Israel is pretty, I don't know, it, it blows my mind, I can tell you that much. And to think, and to think, that all this happens around Hanukkah. And what is Hanukkah if not a celebration of our return to Yerushalayim? Of the victory, the most unlikely, crazy victory of a small army against a large army. A small, tiny nation against the world power at the time, the Maccabees against the Greeks, Rabim Mi'ad Me'atim. What was that if not the Jewish people beginning their triumphant return with the grace of God to the land of Israel? It all happens around Hanukkah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. This is new. Tamir Konkas, I believe it's pronounced, covered the famous Nomi Shemer song, Lu Yehi, giving it a little bit of a, more of a rock beat. So we're debuting that here for all of our listeners who know the original song very well. Hope you like this one as well. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network.
Interesting interpretation of the classic Naomi Shemer song "Lu Yehi," which became uh, one of the one of those national anthems after the 1973 war, was based in theory and in, in the thought on the um, what was pretty popular in those days. Beatles songs "Let It Be," "Lu Yehi," that was Tamir Konkas, and we're uh, just it was recently released, and we are debuting it here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. For those of you listening live, I'm going to ask the indulgence because I know many of you are not, but those are listening live, the latest reports that I see about the bombing in the New York subway, and as I've said um, numerous times, these reports are early, and early reports are oftentimes wrong when it comes to these things. There's a lot of panic, a lot of information that has not been gleaned yet, and um, there's a lot of speculation eyewitnesses that tell um, the different stories. You see that often on uh, television crime, right? When a guy, one guy says the guy was wearing a black hat and the other guy says he was wearing a green hat and the other guy says he was wearing a red hat, you know? Because people are excited and emotional and traumatized in times. Anyway, the um, according to the New York Post, and he was an ISIS-inspired Bangladeshi national. And uh, he, was 20, he is 27 years old. He lives in Brooklyn. And he was carrying a five-inch metal pipe bomb. I don't understand how he got into the uh, Penn Station, but I know that if they would be checking bags like they do in Israel when you walk into any mall or any other public place, he would have been caught. And look at what happened yesterday at Tachan America Zid in a local Arab from a quite prominent family, by the way. Let them not say that this is because... Uh, the terrorists are poor and Nebuch and whatever. 
quite prominent Arab Muslim family. So he uh, wanted to walk into the Tachan Amerikazit and stab people. The uh, Shomer, who was standing outside, the security person who was standing outside, saw him, and uh, when once he realized that he wasn't going to get through, he stabbed him. And then he was, um, thankfully, tackled and unfortunately not killed, but he was taken in by police. And uh, we continued to pray for the security person who was stabbed and, and really hurt very badly in, in terrible condition. So... Um, Will that happen in New York soon? Will they start checking all the people that are coming in and out? Will the United States finally get smart enough to do a little profiling because the bombs are usually set off by people that look like they're coming from a certain part of the world? I doubt it. Not with this mayor, that's for sure. Not in the, not in this era of political correctness. Okay, that was my... Uh, a little rant about that. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to this, Yosha, on the Nachum Siegel Network. Okay, we promised you um, this uh, State Department craziness. And um, uh, so Matt Lee is the AP State Department reporter, correspondent, who uh, does a great job. We've had his uh, clips from him numerous times on this show. He does such a great job at putting the State Department in its place and sometimes in, it, in the absurdity that it tries to live in. And for years, anytime an issue with Yerushalayim would come up, he would ask the State Department spokesperson, is Jerusalem the capital of Israel? What is the capital? And they, they would say, well, we don't recognize that. Da, da, da. And then they would say, well, the embassy, he would say to them, the embassy is Tel Aviv. Is Tel Aviv the capital of Israel? And, the, and they would mumble and bumble, fumble. And then he would say, well, what is the capital of Israel? And then they would mumble more. Well, now that the president finally declared that the United States recognizes Israel, uh, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, Matt Lee now goes to bat and asks the uh, State Department, this is not the spokesperson, this is actually a high-ranking State Department official who's in charge of, uh, amongst other things, the Middle East, he asks him the, his usual questions. So here's the first question and answer. This is the usual question that he asks, and for the first time they actually have an answer. What is the capital of Israel? Uh, the president announced yesterday, issued a proclamation declaring the United States recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. So the answer to the question is Jerusalem, correct? That's exactly right. Well, that sounds clear enough. Finally, 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 the State Department says Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. They have no choice. The president just made the most public declaration of the fact. But as we said immediately after the announcement by uh, President Trump, um, I joined Nahum and Miriam on uh, the live lunch program on the Nahum Siegel Network. We were analyzing the president's words, and I said, you know, one thing we have to keep in mind is that the presidents come and presidents go, but the State Department will continue to be a thorn in our side forever. And um, while they had no choice but to say that, here, here is the follow-up question that Matt Lee of the AP asks this high-ranking State Department official at the, at the press conference. What country is Jerusalem in? 
uh, the president recognized Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. Does that mean, then, that the U.S. government officially recognizes that Jerusalem, the municipality, lies within the state of Israel? There has been no change in our policy uh, with respect to consular practice or passport issuance at this time, which is... Is it possible to get a straight answer out of these people? So does that mean if you recognize that it's the capital of Israel, that it is in Israel? Well, there's no change to our consular blah, blah. I asked you a question. Just answer. Well, here he continues with his blah, blah. Which is where I think you are. Well, that's what I wanted to know what the practical implications of this decision are, not in terms of necessarily broad policy, the peace process, whatever, mm-hmm. but things like maps, will they be withdrawn? Will the passport issue, uh, will passports now identify Jerusalem as being within Israel uh, if that per- the person was born there? What about official documents? Will they say Jerusalem, comma, Israel? What about the mailing address of the consulate or the street address? All great questions, right? Matt Lee says, well, if the United States is finally recognizing that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, then will we stop this silliness, this insanity of writing on, for example, on official documents like a passport of of a child that was born in Sharitzedek Hospital in Jerusalem, the State Department, the United States of America, your official passport refuses to say Jerusalem, Israel, they refuse to put that on the passport, on the official document. It only says Jerusalem because we don't know where Jerusalem is. Oh, but now it's the capital of Israel. Yes, that's true, but blah, 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 blah. And what about the pictures that the White House and the State Department post of presidents visiting Jerusalem? Are they visiting Jerusalem, Israel? When President Obama went to Israel... He spent most of his time in Jerusalem. He slept over at the King David Hotel. That, for the best of, uh, to the best of my knowledge, is still in Jerusalem. And it's in Israel. And yet, whatever photographs came out, all said that the president visited Jerusalem. And once, I believe it was when he went to the uh, funeral of Shimon Peres, A photo came out of the White House, and in the title it said that President Obama, blah, 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 in Jerusalem, comma, Israel. Oh, the world went crazy, and very quickly it was taken off. No, no, they took out the word Israel. I think we spoke about it right here on this show, where we have the screen capture of the original post and the the correction, quote, unquote, I guess, of the White House. So that's what Matt Lee is asking. Are all these things going to change? Will you be able to write finally that if that Jerusalem is in Israel, that if it's the capital of Israel, then it would make sense that it's in Israel and the State Department just blah blahs and they're going to blah blah away for a long time until they make any changes. Watch. I've already commented that on consular practice there is no change uh, at this time. With respect to maps, Uh, We are, of course, examining that issue, and when we have a decision, uh, we will announce it with respect to how we will treat uh, Jerusalem for official USG-produced mapping purposes. Okay, so that sounds to me like with these areas, there is no practical impact. On consular practice, there is no impact. Thank you. Yeah. Do you understand that? I'm not sure I do, but 
basically what he's saying is the president could talk till t- from today to tomorrow. We're going to have to uh, look into whether we write Jerusalem or Jerusalem Israel on all documents when it comes to uh, the State Department. They were against it from day one, the whole concept of a Jewish state, the State Department was. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But we should be happy. We should be happy. And, and you know, people have been saying and, and writing, well, what's the difference? What's the big deal? We all know that Jerusalem is the capital. Yes, of course we all know. Of course it's so. It's been so for 3,000 years. Of course. But when the the superpower of the world who is an ally and a friend has for 70 years not recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel has specifically omitted that has very vociferously said we do not recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and this goes back to 1948 Have no mistake, this has nothing to do with the Six-Day War, nothing to do with the old city. This goes back to 48, where the State Department's policy, and therefore the official policy of the United States, which was never countermined by um, by, um, the President, was that the United States did not recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. There was no capital of Israel for all intents and purposes, and the uh, embassy was set up in Tel Aviv. And the fact that since 1948 or 1949 or 1950, the Democrats put into their platform that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, and presidents, after one after the other, declared that Israel's capital is Jerusalem and all that other stuff. It all was meaningless until this president came along and said, I don't really care what you all think. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you've been doing. It's all nonsense. What you've been doing has had zero effect on anything. And it's just ridiculous to continue to play this, this, you know, make believe your eyes are closed and blindfolded and declare that Israel's capital is Jerusalem. Brand new music from uh, Hanan Ben-Ari, Ma Tarotsemi Meni. This is a very, he's exposing himself. He's really opening himself up here and he is sharing with us words that he is asking to God. Hashem, Ma Tarotsemi Meni. He doesn't say it in so many words, but it's obviously so. And in interviews, he said it. The words begin to shmor alai mi panai. Save me from myself, so to speak. Tishmoroti amiti. Save me in truth and make me continue to make me truthful. Kolat filot milim reikot shatak nudai daber We've been silent long enough. All the davening, I believe what he's alluding to here is that we pray and often our prayers are just empty words. We often don't think about it, an age-old problem that Rabbi Yehuda Halevi in the Kuzari talks about. Ma tawotsemi meni. What do you want from me? Ma, ma. <laughs> and here he's he's throwing a very strong sentence, basically following the famous Chazal that says, Noach lo la'adam shalonivra mishinivra, that a person, so to speak, would rather not be born than born. But now that he's 
has been born, he'd rather be alive than dead. So Hanan Ben-Ari writes, Who asked of you to put a neshama into me? Why don't you come to me in the middle of the day, hug me and look me in the eye? And it goes on. I'm going to share it with you, and I think uh, we should all uh, think about these uh, very profound words. Deep. Hanan Ben-Ari just released yesterday. We're sharing it with you, debuting it with you here. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
We'll post the link to the YouTube video of this brand new song by Hanan Ben-Ari. We'll post that on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. You are invited, all are, to take a look, have a listen, and leave us a like, if you, if you can. Did I say that? My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I probably said it at some point, but maybe not after that song. So, um... As we promised, we have um, we have clips from uh, UN Ambassador Nikki Haley addressing the UN because, of course, while hundreds of thousands of uh, Arabs are being slaughtered in Syria over the past years, while Iran is getting itself a nuclear bomb, while terrorist regimes continue to thrive. The UN finds it very, very important, as always, to focus on anything that has to do with Israel. It is just one of the more astounding things in our world. And um, Ambassador Nikki Haley, the U.S. Ambassador to the UN, we've spoken about her almost from the first day that she uh, came to office, appointed, of course, by President Trump. Ambassador Haley had some uh, choice words for the United Nations, of course, all couched in diplomatic terms. So here uh, we're going to bring you a few clips of what she said at the UN, uh, at the big Security Council meeting that came as a result of the horrific act of President Trump declaring his recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Here's Nikki Haley. The Jewish people are a patient people. Throughout 3,000 years of civilization, foreign conquest, exile, and return, Jerusalem has remained their spiritual home. For nearly 70 years, the city of Jerusalem has been the capital of the state of Israel, despite many attempts by others to deny that reality. The American people are less patient. In 1948, the United States was the first nation to recognize the independent state of Israel. In 1995, the U.S. Congress declared that Jerusalem should be recognized as the capital of Israel and that the U.S. Embassy should be located in Jerusalem. Presidents Clinton, Bush, and Obama all agreed with that position, but they did not act. They delayed in the hopes that a peace process would produce results, results that never came. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. And... um and then uh, Ambassador Haley, of, of U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., very interesting. She, she has two pieces in her, in her presentation. One is what the president did say and then what the president did not say. And I think it's very clarifying even for, for us to hear, listen carefully to what she's saying as to what the president did not say versus what he actually did say. It's, it's important to, uh, to be clear, for us to have a clear mind about what's going on. This week, President Trump finally made the decision to no longer deny the will of the American people. It's important to be clear about exactly what the president's decision does. The president has announced that the United States recognizes the obvious, that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. He has also instructed the State Department to begin the process of relocating the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That is what the president has done. 
And now, what the president has not said. And this is what he has not done. The United States has not taken a position on boundaries or borders. The specific dimensions of sovereignty over Jerusalem are still to be decided by the Israelis and the Palestinians in negotiations. The United States has not advocated changing any of the arrangements at the Temple Mount Harim al-Sharif. The president specifically called for maintaining the status quo at the holy sites. Finally, and critically, the United States is not predetermining final status issues. We remain committed to achieving a lasting peace agreement. We support a two-state solution if agreed to by the parties. Those are the facts of what was said and done this week. And what's important for us to hear again in the change, if we think back a year ago when President was Obama and the Secretary of State was uh, was Kerry, and um, wow, what a difference a year makes. What a difference a year makes. I know, I know that a lot of people who disagree with me about certain things will say, how could I even think about praising President Obama? And the answer is that when he does good stuff, we need to praise him and thank him. I posted a link to, um, to comment to the White House to send him an email. You don't even have to wait. I started calling and I, I saw I wasn't getting anywhere. The phone line to the White House comment line was busy. So I went on to the whitehouse.gov and I found the uh, link that you can send a, an email. That's it. All you have to do is send a, a one-line email saying, I, I um, am thankful to the president or I applaud the president or I support the president on this particular thing of, uh, of moving the, um, the, uh, uh, the um, embassy to Jerusalem and of declaring that the capital of Israel is Jerusalem. That's all you have to see. They just need to know if you're for or against. They count. And then they'll give the president a count at some point and say, well, this is how many people called or communicated positively and here's how many negative it's important numbers count and that's what we can do each and every one of us just send an email or call or send an email it's even easier or as Nahum mentions you can send a letter to the white house 1600 pennsylvania avenue washington dc but it's important it is it is it is important and what nikki haley was saying is uh, similar to what our listener moshe wrote in on the comments and he, uh, he does have the background to comment about this, that there are certain realities. And uh, the recognition of a capital is a matter of factual reality, and that's what Nikki Haley was saying, that's what the president was saying. Although I think that between the lines, they were also saying that one can't deny that there's also historic, a historic dimension to the whole thing. And lastly, Nikki Haley, um, ambassador to the UN, it's got some great, <laughs> rather harsh words for the UN itself as they're sitting in this rushed emergency meeting of the State Department because of the United States president declaring that Jerusalem, oh my, is the capital of Israel. Finally, I will not let this moment pass without a comment about the United Nations itself. Over many years, the United Nations has outrageously been of the world's foremost centers of hostility towards Israel. The UN has done much more damage to the prospects for Middle East peace than to advance them. We will not be a party to that. 
the United States no longer stands by when Israel is unfairly attacked in the United Nations. And the United States will not be lectured to by countries that lack any credibility when it comes to treating both Israelis and Palestinians fairly. I mean, she's great. She's just great. She's, she doesn't hide under this blanket of diplomacy and diplo-speak and all this... Well, watch my tongue. I'll just say jargon. God bless her. <laughs> As we approach Hanukkah, we have to remember that. Really. Um, we're going to go to a song, but I have to share this with you because we've often, often, often spoken here about how the radical left in Israel, they can't contain themselves. They just can't. And we know, and Malcolm Holine pointed this out on the weekly update, which is, uh, of course, every Friday on JM in the AM at uh, 740 you can listen to it on the uh, on the app. You can listen to it on the uh, archives on the uh, website, nachamsegel.com. That both left and right in Israel supported the president's statement. Because both left and right in Israel, the overwhelming majority of Israelis want to see Jerusalem remain united as the capital of Israel. It is, it is such a... It's such an important, vital principle value of Jews for 2,000 years, we've prayed for it, yearned for it, cried for it, fought for it. Is there any other people in the world that kept Yerushalayim on their lips for 2,000 years? Who the heck is crazy enough to do that? We are. But Zahava Galon, who uh, until recently was a member of Knesset, now she's not no longer a member of Knesset, but she's uh, the head of the Meretz Party. Meretz Party, they're not sure if they consider themselves Zionists or not. They used to be a Zionist radical left-wing party. Now they're not sure if they consider themselves Zionists or not. <laughs> and so yesterday, when um, a, a young 25-year-old Arab Muslim terrorist stabbed the Jewish guard standing outside of the Tachanam Merkazit, the central bus station in Jerusalem. So her response on her Twitter page, she might take it off now that everyone's yelling at her, but this is it. I have it right in front of me. This is shocking news from Jerusalem, she writes. My, my heart is, is with um, the guard who was, uh, who was stabbed. He's only 25 years old, the guard was, and he's already fighting for his life. There isn't and cannot be any justification for terror. There she is. She said it. You tell her. Oh, 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 wait. Aval. Oh, but. Oh, there's a but. Oh. We can't make believe. Trump that the current wave of increased violence, we can't make believe that has nothing to do with Trump's proclamation. Oh, you, you, do you get it? There's no, there's no justification for violence. Nothing can justify violence. But, yeah, but we can't, yeah, okay. 
Trump, and yeah, it was like she was waiting for it. I don't know. I don't get them. I don't. I really don't. I try. I try just to understand what what people who differ with me think. Sometimes it's beyond me. Gadol Alai, Hatikva Shesh, off of uh, an album they're working on called Kingston and Dash Tel Aviv. Uh, I believe that's in Jamaica, right? Jamaican music, Israeli music. It's supposed to be some sort of a melding of the two. This came out recently. Gadol Alai. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. off of an album that they're working on which uh, as you can hear has a Jamaican 
verve to it, a Jamaican styling to it. It's called Kingston-Tel Aviv. Well, I guess they're from Tel Aviv, so they didn't say Kingston-Jerusalem. That's fine. If that's where they're from, that's where they're from. <laughs> um, just some thoughts about what happened uh, this past week with the uh, major superpower of the world, President, led by President Donald Trump, announced for the first time in history, let's, may, let's be very open and honest about that, for the first time in history, the United States announced that it recognizes that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. It took 70 years, but as Ambassador Haley says, the Jews are a patient people. You know, look back at um, 70 years ago, 1947, November 29th, which we've discussed at great length over the past few weeks, Haftet November, when the United States and the Soviet Union and Russia, well, USSR at the time, voted for the partition plan, which at, one, at once also ripped out half of Eretz Israel from under us, but at the same time guaranteed for the first time in 2,000 years of Jewish history, more, I think almost, because we didn't have much sovereignty during the times of the Bet HaMikdash HaSheni. You're talking about 400 years that the second Bet HaMikdash, the second temple was standing, during which only for a short period of time did we have Jewish sovereignty. That was the time of the Maccabees. Initially, we got the okay to return to the land of Israel from the Persians. At the end, we were occupied and and, uh, ruled by the Romans. So Jewish sovereignty, outside of the few years of the Hashmonaim, of the Maccabees, goes back to the end of Bayit Rishon and the exile to Babylon. That's when it ended. So to think that in 1947, even if it was a tiny sliver it was something. It was a foothold. It was a toehold. And the Jewish people celebrated. But it wasn't easy for the president at the time. President Truman was a very straight-speaking guy from Missouri. He's remembered. I mean, we all remember. We all talk about the 11 minutes after the state of Israel is declared. He recognizes it. You know, the famous... In the famous... Um, letter where it's typed out where the United States recognizes Israel, they they leave a blank space for the name of the state of Israel because they weren't sure yet what it would be called when they typed it out. That's how quick it had to come out. There were thoughts of calling it Judea, Yehuda, and so forth, and at the end they decided on Israel. And President Truman is remembered in Jewish history as doing the right thing. The pressures that he was under, the State Department was pressuring him like crazy. The Secretary of State at the time was a war hero, General George Marshall, the famous Marshall Plan. He was vehemently against it. There are some great books that detail this whole process where Truman really had to he was almost subver- he was the president. He had to be subversive to the State Department in order to support the founding of the state of Israel, but he was determined to do it. President Truman knew what the right thing to do was. It wasn't expedient. It was not. 
And the State Department kept saying, it's not good, we're going to get the Arabs angry, we're going to get the Arabs angry. Nothing changes. Now we have a president, the whole world is yelling and screaming, we're going to get the Arabs angry, they're going to be violent. And the president gets up and says, this is the right thing to do. We, we, I hope that we are as appreciative. He doesn't always do the right thing. But when he does, we have to be appreciative. And I also have to share with you the what were the chances, you know, what were the chances that Harry Truman had a very close friend and a business partner who was a Jew who came into the White House against Truman's wishes, spoke to him about the situation in the land of Israel and what was called then Palestine and pleaded with him to meet with Chaim Weizmann and support the Zionist state. It's different. But when I saw that same day there was a pre-planned Hanukkah party in the White House that's been going on for years, I, I believe since George W. Bush. And there at the White House is the President and the First Lady and Rabbi Mayor Soloveitchik, the rabbi, the spiritual leader of the Spanish-Portuguese Synagogue in New York, And the daughter of the president and his son-in-law, the Kushners, and his Jewish grandchildren. Who were going to be lighting Hanukkah candles at home. Did anyone think back when Donald Trump announced that he's running for president? Anybody think that he had a chance? Did anybody think that he had a chance to win the Republican nomination? Did anybody think that he had a chance of winning the elections? Did anybody think (laughs) that at a Hanukkah party in the White House, the president's Jewish grandchildren will light the menorah? And they were being directed by a descendant of the Nitziv, Rabbi Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, one of the first rabbinic supporters of the return to Eretz Yisrael in the mid-1800s. Rabbi Meir Soloveitchik, one of the original Chovavet Sion, his great-great-whatever-grandson, would stand in the White House with the Jewish daughter and son-in-law of the president? What are the chances? What are the chances that, that Ivanka Trump would, would meet a Kushner and decide to convert and be a sincere Jew? I don't know. None of us understand God's ways. We do understand that we've been given amazing opportunities. And now, God has t- twisted history in, in so many different ways in the last hundred years. But ultimately, it's up to us. It's up to us to take that. Those tools that we were given, we, our generation and the generation before us and the coming generation, we are given the keys to Yerushalayim and to the state of Israel and to the land of Israel. And it's up to us what we are going to do with them. On the background of uh, Mao's Tzuras, we're lo- running very late. I apologize to Yoni. We're going to close by saying thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff at the Nachum Siegel Network. And as always, my very special thanks to Nachum Siegel. Coming up immediately following us, Yoni Pollock 
with after further review covering the latest in the world of sports and then the great Monday music marathon. Want to wish again Yom Oledet Sameach to my mother celebrating tomorrow night the big 9-0. Wow. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie and Diem, this is Mayor Weingart reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Good morning.